1: The 267th edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now.
0: This is the Four Corners podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I've said that to be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win 54 to 53. 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left. Good! They're way to Worthy! Worthy five! The Star Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber frontcourt. Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. Technical They're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. Frontcourt. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. 72 and how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champion.
1: I've been the luckiest coach in the
0: world. Pump fake for three, too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national gaggum champion. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way.
1: My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would, I would die for this school, I really would.
0: Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta.
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys today, and believe it or not, we have a game that counts to preview as the 2023-2024 season uh, is officially upon us. As Mm -hmm. Carolina returns to the hardwood on Monday night at home against Radford, Uh, that game will be a 7 p.m. tip on the ACC network as the number 19 Tar Heels will start their season looking to bounce back after one of the most disappointing seasons we've ever been a part of as Carolina basketball fans. and We're here to preview the game, tell you what you need to know about the Highlanders, give you the three things we're excited to see with this being the season opener, give our keys to the game, and a whole lot more. But before we do any of that, we start every edition, as we always do, with our pod thought of the day. And if you've been a fan of the pod for quite some time and since the pod thought became a thing, you know which one it is when the season starts. And it is the mantra that uh, that this this program lives by. It's the mantra that this program was founded on. And it's simply play hard play smart, play together. Uh, That coming from Coach Smith and really Coach Williams, they pretty much combined to give us that phrase. If you follow me on Twitter at HTB underscore Josh, I tweet this out before every game. Um, It's kind of one of my little, I guess, superstitions, traditions, if you will, because as I always say, when Carolina does those three things, um, they typically have a really good chance to win the ball game. And we're hoping that they win a whole lot more than they did a year ago because 20-13 and 13 at this university, not good enough. For NC State, you know, you, they, they, they hang banners and build statues. At Carolina, it's a down year. And so um, hopefully we're going to see more of those three things on the basketball court this upcoming season. Before we get to our game preview, though, we gotta, we got to start on a little bit of a somber note. As the Carolina basketball family lost a giant yesterday, um, as Walter Davis passed away at the age of 69 while he was in Charlotte visiting with his family, and um, you know, you're talking about one of the 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 fixtures of the early years of the of Carolina basketball under Coach Smith. He hit the iconic shot to count to, to cap the eight points in 17 uh, seconds comeback against it. We're gonna play that audio for you here in just a second. He, of course, is the uncle of the current head coach Hubert Davis. And was one of the biggest inspirations for Huber Davis wanting to play basketball at North Carolina and play basketball for Coach Smith. And so, um, you know, you, you look at the, the the way that this family has been impacted with losing Coach Smith, Bill Guthridge, Stuart Scott, Lenny Rosenbluth. I think Walter Davis fits in that it fits in that category that the, the family lost it lost a giant earlier this week.
0: Well, especially because they lost him so early. In his life, I mean, sixty nine. I know that's that's getting up there a little bit, but still, um, you know, just just horrible. Um, you know, I, the, the one thing I am you know a little a ha- little bit happy to hear is that he was surrounded by his family when it did happen. So everybody, um, you know, not not sure if Hubert was there, but everybody that he was with at least got their chance uh, to say goodbye to him. But yeah, you talk about a guy that is a legend at Carolina, and, and I think you know when you talk about him, you talk about a guy that's. One of the more underrated tar heels of all time was never first of all, I couldn't believe this when I went back. He never actually led his team in scoring in any of the four years that he was on campus. Carolina had a lot of really good players back then. um, but you know he he hits the iconic shot against Duke, um one that many people remember. um he was a two time all ACC player. He was a key figure in Carolina's run to the 1977 National Championship game where they of course fell short to Marquette, Um, but really, I mean, one of the greatest shooters that Carolina has ever seen. As a guard, he shot over 50% in each of his four years that he was on campus. Now, I wasn't able to go and research this. I was kind of going through and trying to get the article up quick about him, but I mean, how many that that, there can't be many, especially in the modern era. Um, But even back in the day, there can't be many guards that shot over fifty percent in every single year that they were on campus. That is an unbelievable feat. Um, He was truly a special talent. Um, You know, a a guy that many people, I mean, almost everybody that I saw responding, the older generation, absolutely loved him. Uh, had the nickname Sweet D. I mean, this guy, he, he was—he seemed like a pretty lar- larger-than-life type of guy uh, that everybody just loved. Um, and then, you know, he, of course, goes on to the NBA, and that's the other thing about him. I don't think enough people talk about just how good he was as an NBA player amongst the best Tar Heels to go to the NBA. Now, look, he's not Michael, but, I mean, you're talking about a guy that was a five-time NBA All-Star in Phoenix? Um, played 11 years there has his number retired by that franchise I mean this dude he was legit man and uh you know I just I, I'm praying for the Davis family for coach Hubert Davis uh who, who's you know for this to happen and especially for it to happen right before the season and for it to happen in a season where they were more than likely gonna honor Walter Davis at the game in at home against Duke this year because it was the 50th anniversary of that game. It's just it's just crushing, and I I I hate that uh, that this happened yesterday.
1: You're talking about a guy that that really helped further Carolina's standing as a national program after going to three straight Final Fours. You know, in, in the late 60s, helping Carolina compete within the ACC, get to a national championship game um you know playing alongside Phil Ford you know that you look at his offensive efficiency numbers you look at the offense that Carolina utilized the four corners offense which of course the podcast is named after um a big reason why he was so efficient from the floor um he's a member of the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame you mentioned two time all ACC honoree 1978 NBA rookie of the year mm-hmm. you know five time NBA all-star you mentioned his his, his jersey being retired by the Phoenix Suns, and, you know, the Suns may not have won, you know, they they haven't won championships recently, but that's a franchise that's got history, that, that, that's that got a little bit tradition to it, um, so for him to be recognized in that way is is, is a pretty big honor, and so, um, you know, as, as I kind of said yesterday on WFNZ, you can't really tell, you, you, you can't really talk about the, the, the Carolina basketball program in the 1970s, without mentioning his name, a lot of people are first. Yes, Phil Ford's probably going to be the first name that you think of, and that's rightfully so. Of course, but the second guy that you're probably going to talk about is Walter Davis. Um, and the biggest reason why is people remember this shot against Duke to, to, to uh, cap the epic comeback against the Blue Devils. Get
0: to the Walter Davis, two, one, Walter takes the shot. Oh! Oh! Davis! Oh!
1: You know, um, it, it used to be in the old Roy's Boys intro. Um, yeah, because to me, when you think about the 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 life and the legacy that Woody Durham led us, the the voice of of the Tar Heels, to me, this was his first really really big call. Um, and it's it's one that you know, whenever you 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 think about you think about Woody Durham, you think about you know go where you go and do what you do you think about the national championship calls that, that that he had during his time as the voice but this one's this one's right up there because you know it, it was such a it was such a pinnacle moment as the rivalry was really growing to to a national level that we know that it be today and so um we got a couple quotes from two legendary tar heels i want to read from you guys we'll start with Phil Ford um and he in a statement that was released to goheels.com and Phil Ford is quoted as saying, "Uh, Walter and I knew each other for over 50 years. We met when I was a senior in high school, and I was coming up to Carolina as a recruit at a football game. Walter, Tommy Lagarde, and Mitch Kubchak were my hosts, and we just became great friends. When we were in school together, he and I were best friends. He was the best man at my wedding, and I was the best man at his. I'm going to miss him dearly. I'm happy I got to see him a couple of weeks ago in Chapel Hill, but this is very hard. I'd like to believe that he's in a better place right now, but I'm going to Dearly miss my friend. I don't know anybody that says bad things about Walt. I'm getting calls from people around the country, John Lucas, Scott May, Quinn Buckner, David Thompson. Everybody thought the world about Walt, just like all of us Carolina players and fans did. I'm blessed we were teammates and friends, and I thank God I had him in my life all these years. The second one is from the former head coach of Carolina basketball, that being Roy Williams. Quote, this is a sad, sad day with the passing of Walter Davis one of our all-time great basketball players and an even nicer person. Coach Smith and Coach Guthridge used to rave about how much fun it was to Coach Walter. I got to watch him as a fan and loved getting to know him later. The big shot to end the eight points and 17 seconds game against Duke will stay with us forever, as will many other fantastic moments. Walter is truly a great Tar Heel. And you know, just to kind of put a wrap on that, yeah, there's no – when when you got those two dudes – who are as revered as much as anybody in college basketball. You know, speaking that highly of the, the the player that Walter Davis is, and more importantly, the man that 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 he was and is. There's there's nothing further that we can say that will even come in comparison because uh, he was he was a great basketball player, um, an even better person. Um, and, and the Carolina basketball family, and, and of course his family uh, in general, is going to miss him dearly. And we pray for them during what is uh, what,
0: what is going to be, as you could imagine. A rather difficult time. I I think because I, I like I said earlier, I think they'll probably they they were probably planning on honoring him for that Duke game. I think that's the perfect game to do that is honor him whenever Carolina plays them later in the year in the Smith Center on the 50th anniversary of that shot.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's going to be you you would imagine so, and even even more so now with him no longer being here, there will be a sense of urgency to make sure. The younger generation of Carolina basketball understands who Walter Davis uh, was and what he means to this program that we all care so deeply about. Now let's do the, the tough thing, which is to transition into a game, because Carolina plays basketball on Monday night, and uh, it's safe to say that that we're excited here. You know, we did our bold predictions a, uh, a week or so ago. We both look at Carolina returning to the top of the ACC. Really quick, did
0: I hear this right? Was there a guest of yours that said that he would eat a box score if it, yeah. one of my bold predictions came true?
1: That is correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Brendan Marks, uh, one of the nicest people in the world, and he started off by saying, "I don't want to demean your opinion," but and then if 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 your prediction of of Elliot Cadeau's
0: assist total comes to fruition, our man's gonna eat a box score. Assist per game, by the way, is is what it, it's not. It leads the NCAA in assists. I'm telling you. This has a chance to happen, folks. Well, if it does, it means big things for Carolina. And
1: we'll get a glimpse of that on Monday night when the Radford Highlanders visit Chapel Hill. And the Highlanders, if you follow college basketball, this is a program that uh, is a traditionally competitive within the Big South. You see them make the tournament, you know, I'm going to say more often than not, but, you know, Carolina's played them. That's the team that, you know, Tyler Hansborough set the ACC all time scoring mark against when he hit a free throw in the first round. Of the NCAA tournament, I saw them in person last year when I was covering the Big South tournament for the, the for WFNZ. Um, they've got a real passionate fan base, um, and this is a program that, as I mentioned, more often than not, they they are, are, are they are competitive. Last year, they were twenty one and fifteen. They went twelve and six in the Big South before losing in the semifinals of that Big South tournament. They didn't make the NCAA tournament, as you know. Or uh, nor the NIT, but they did compete in the uh, the esteemed CBI tournament. Oh, yes. Which not even you know NC State can say they've won during their time as a program before they lost oh, man. in the final to uh, the Charlotte 49ers. They've got five players back from a season ago, including their leading scorer, uh, Daquan Smith. And Daquan Smith last year averaged 13.9 points, 3.3 rebounds, 1.7 assists. There are two other guys of note with stats that were on the roster last year. Kenyon Giles, 8.4 points, 1.3 rebounds, 1.0 assist, And then Justin Archer, 7.7 points, 7 rebounds, and 0.6 assist. And one thing to note um, about, about Radford is you, you, you kind of see one or two things with, with mid-major programs. Either they're really good offensively because they play with a lot of pace and shoot a lot of threes. You know, Farley Dickinson really stands out last year. The team that upset Purdue as a 16 seed in the NCAA tournament, or they're really good defensively, and that's what Radford is. Radford is last year they gave up 64.8 points per game, which was the which was 40th best in all of college basketball. So they know who they are. They know what their identity is. Um, And I think for a mid-major opponent, kind of like last year when Carolina started out against UNC Wilmington, a good first test for the Tar Heels to open up the season.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting. It's the first time that Carolina's played them since that 2009 tournament. Um, So, you know, it's not a team that you get to see often, uh, but it's a team that's going to be motivated coming down from uh, the mountains of Virginia um, I mean, it's it's a very solid squad, as you mentioned. I mean, the Big South is is a much better conference, I think, than people realize at the mid-major ranks. Um, and yeah, you know, you've got a guy that that can score the ball pretty well. You'd imagine he's probably going to want to take his game to the next level. You got a guy in Justin Archer that can kind of do a little bit of everything. Um, but yeah, this is this is one of those games where Carolina. I'm not going to say they have to be careful, but. You don't want Radford to get out to a good start and think that they have a chance to hang around with you. If you're wanting this type of impressive opening night performance that we've seen from really good Carolina teams in the past, you want to be able to jump on them early. but this is going to be a team that's that's going to come in ready to fight. Um, you know they're they're probably envisioning themselves as a team that can make it to the NCAA tournament this year. So they're going to want to prove that coming out of the gate. Carolina's got to be ready uh, out of the get-go.
1: Man, I mean, Carolina's coming off a strong preseason where, you know, they they played really well against uh, Florida Atlantic in a secret scrimmage, although they didn't have their best player in that game, did the Owls. And then we all saw what Carolina did against St. Augustine's in the public exhibition, albeit a, you know, Division II school from the CIAA, but everything just looked better in the preseason than it did a year ago. Last year, or you know, we 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 you know, if we would have really paid attention to the stuff, we could have seen the cracks that existed and and what allowed last year to go so, so to go so sideways. And so, before we get to our keys to the game, with this being the the season opener, I wanted to do the three things that we're most excited to see. And the first thing I, I have listed here is the starting five, because you know, there's a lot of debate: is Elliot Cadeau going to start? Is he going to come off the bench? I think the starting five you saw in the exhibition of Davis, Ryan, uh, Wojcik, Harrison Ingram, and Armando Baycott will be the starting five for Carolina. I don't I don't know if it's their best five. We've heard Brendan Marks. You've heard John Crispin tell you that they think Cadeau will work his way into being a member of the closing five for Carolina oh. at the end of games. But I do think that is going to be the starting five. And um just really excited to see, first off, if that exactly is the starting five and if they pick up where they left off from that strong showing in the exhibition a little over a week ago.
0: Yeah, no, I, no chance that Elliot Kido starts this game. I just I don't see it. I think that, you know, everything that has come out around the program so far is that uh, th- this has been the starting lineup for a while now. They've been running this in practice, and they've been running it e- even, I think, late in the summer uh, with these guys. So it's going to be these five guys, and guess what? I-, I don't think that's necessarily the worst thing because you talk about wh- what's the difference between Paxson Wojcik and Elliot Cadeau. Well, Paxson Wojcik can rebound the hell out of the basketball. I mean, he averaged over seven rebounds a game last year. So you're going to have him. We've seen the versatility that uh, Harrison Ingram provides, and then, of course, Armando Baycott inside. So I think the inner, the, the thing that you're going to like about this group is they're going to be able to rebound the ball well. And here's the thing. Elliott Cadeau is going to push the pace, and I don't think that anybody can push the pace quite like him on this roster. At the same time, I think that the pace that we've seen, even when he's not in the game, when R.J. Davis is controlling things, is still a pretty high tempo and one that you really like. So I think that if you're concerned, oh, well, is Carolina not going to be moving the basketball as quickly up and down the floor as we want them to? No, they will. They'll be perfectly fine with that. I think R.J. Davis uh, is going to fit that, that point guard role about as well as we thought he could at times last year, and we're begging begging Hubert Davis to let him do for the majority of the year. Um, so, yeah, I think that'll be your starting five. I think that'll be a productive group. But, yeah, I think there's a really good chance that even after the first game, we'll sit here and we'll we'll say to ourselves, yeah, that's the starting five. But the five that played the best was when Cadeau and RJ were on the floor at the same time.
1: Yep, and it's going to be really fun to see just how, just how Hubert Davis lets the rotation come together – um, you would imagine that this game will allow to see the different lineups you typically see this time of the year um, and just really to see if if, if Elliott Cadeau can can work his way into being a part of that closing lineup for Carolina. The second thing I think we're all excited to see because everyone has talked about it since we got to see them you know, in the public uh, exhibition, the return of the secondary break for, for Carolina's offense. And if you listen to – the interview with John Crispin. It's not really a secondary break; it's really primary motion offense. But it's something that Carolina scrapped the last two years, and because they weren't they weren't built to do it. And the first year, once you inserted Brady Manick into the starting lineup and they learned how to play together, it, it worked well because you didn't need it, and you got all the way to the national championship game. There's no denying last year Carolina could have used that kind of staple, that principle of of, of offense. Because of, because of how inefficient it was how or, or how inefficient carolina was last year in the half court and um you know Brandon mark said that you know he thinks this team's going to score a bunch of points and that's a big reason why because when carolina's running at it at at, at, at its best and they're playing the way that they that they want to play they, 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 this offense becomes second nature and you're getting easy bucket after easy bucket after easy, after easy bucket and Carolina didn't get that a year ago. Mm-hmm. It felt like it felt like every bucket Carolina got, they earned.
0: Oh, it's like pulling teeth. Yeah,
1: and, and look, there's something to say about that to a certain degree, but uh, we've been kind of spoiled for over 60 years watching Carolina pretty much score the basketball at will, and I think you're going to get back to that because the roster is designed for it. I think one of the biggest things that that Huber Davis did last year that was a mistake was even though he scrapped the you know the, the, this principle. He still didn't put dudes in the best position to be successful, i.e. Pete Nance. Um, You tried to make him something in that he's not. We've said all summer long the reason why we're optimistic about this team is that the roster is built to play the way that Mm -hmm. Huber Davis wants to play. You add this back into the fold, I think you're going to see as efficient Carolina offense as we've seen since that 2018-19 team that went 16-2 and in the regular season in the ACC and made the Sweet 16 of the NCAA Tournament.
0: Well, I mean, one of the guys you mentioned right there is part of the reason why they weren't able to do this, Pete Nance, because, yeah, they did force him into that role. And I don't feel like they're forcing anybody into a specific role this year. I think they're just kind of letting guys be because they, they fit exactly kind of what they want. So. Uh, for me, I think one of the biggest reasons why they're able to do this so successfully and why they have been so far, especially in the exhibition against St. Augustine's, uh, they can, I mean, they've can. I'm they got the shooters. They're back. Like, Cormac Ryan is here. Paxson Wojcik has the ability to shoot the outside shot. Uh, Harrison Ingram, uh, if he's not the guy that's leading the initial break, R.J. Davis can do it. When's the last time that we had multiple guys that could do it? You mentioned that you had Brady Manick, but that was really it. And I think that's part of why Carolina still struggled offensively and the pace wasn't quicker even during that 21-22 season. So this year, the I, I think now that you've got those types of guys, yeah, people got to be aware that, hey, you're going to have R.J. Davis, Elliot Cadeau out and running probably with another forward. But you got to be aware of that trailer because you can dump that thing off every time and hit a shot. I also think one of the things that's really going to help this team is that I feel like when you watch the exhibition specifically, and I think you could see it a little bit in the scrimmage as well, I notice that you see a little more bounce in the step of Armando Baycott. I have said this, I said it last year, and I still stick to this now. I don't think he was 100% healthy when they began last season. I think that ankle was still bothering him. I think he probably regretted not having the surgery in the offseason, but he fought through it, and I think now that looks like a player that is fully healthy. He Look, he ain't going to wow you with how he runs the floor. This dude is not going to turn into you same Bolt running down the floor, but he's still a guy that you can see is going to be more involved in the fast break and I think that's gonna help Carolina a lot. All those different elements are why this team is going to be able to do that and and really set up a lot of success, you know, in the fast break. And then if not, set up set themselves up to have some nice success in the half court. Yeah, no, he definitely
1: looks to be the most explosive he's been in college. And I think if he can do that and take his game to another level, there's really a chance for him to achieve the type of things he still has to achieve. To get his jersey up in the rafters of the Smith Center. The last thing I'm excited to see is the shot selection because it's been one of the more emphasized things we've seen, or we, we've been we've been told about all summer long from Huber Davis, from the players themselves that they've they've got to take better shots. You saw it in in the live action scrimmage. There was better there was better shot selection. You saw it in in, in the public exhibition against St. Augustine's. The biggest reason why is. Carolina got old. You got a 25-year-old in Cormac Ryan. You got a fifth-year player in Paxson Wojcik, R.J. Davis, Armando Baycott. They've played college basketball for a good minute now. Um, And Caleb Love's no longer on the roster. And, and, you know, as we kind of talked about really all summer long, whether it was fair to put all the issues on him or not, the shot selection was one where you could look at him and say he was a big reason why Carolina was inefficient offensively. Oh, yeah, he
0: was a yoler. Oh yeah.
1: So now what I want to see is all the talk, all the stuff in the preseason carry over into the regular season because none of that matters if you get into a game that matters, like Monday's game Mm -hmm. will count, and you start taking bad shots. And the thing that I like more about this team is these guys know who they are. Cormac Ryan knows who he is, what shots he can take, what shots he's not going to take. Same thing with Paxson Wojcik. We know R.J. Davis. Um, We know what Armando Baycott can do. Harrison Ingram, I think, is going to be a great guy that can work inside and out. And you've got you've got you you've got better ball distributors on the roster. You didn't have that last year. Mm-hmm. Carolina did not really have a, a true guy to distribute the ball. I think RJ Davis can do it when he's uh, as a starter. Same thing with Cormac Ryan. And then we all know Elliott Cadeau is a guy that's looking to get others involved. And so um, that's something that I'm excited to see because and look I'm I'm a very critical person of my team's shot selection No stop it I I there were too many games in the non-conference last year I was I was I wasn't happy with the shot selection so I'd like to see
0: that change and we'll get to see if that starts on Monday night I got to be honest I don't even know if you were excited about the shot selection against St. Augustine's Uh there was like 13 shots I didn't like Oh my god Ah <laughs> oh jeez yeah I mean to me I mean you you're right I think this is something we're definitely excited to see. I'm not really concerned about it because I think that the difference in this team from the last couple of years is, right, there's trust of of every guy on the floor. Mm-hmm. We knew, and again, he's on an NBA roster. He did so much for Carolina. You knew when Leaky Black was on the floor. He's not a guy that can knock down shots. You know, and, Carolina's
1: going to play five-on-five five offense instead of four-on-five that like they
0: have for four but years. But— uh, 3 on 5 at times last year there were times where Pete Nance I- I'm telling you the guys on the roster did not trust putting mm-hmm. the ball in Pete Nance's hands I don't and and look we haven't even started the season so there could be points in the year where we're looking at a specific guy and we're like oh don't okay he's not shooting the ball well don't put it in his hands right now I don't feel that way though cuz in the exhibition and, and again it's 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 a division 2 team but still You can either shoot the ball or you can't. Yep. You saw guys making shots all over this roster. And and at different times, too. Like, early in the game, the one guy to me that stuck out that I was like, "Ah, he's not really doing a whole lot, he has a couple opportunities and he's missing them, was Paxson Wojcik. Well, guess what? In the second half, Paxson Wojcik steps up, hits a couple of shots when other guys aren't really making shots. That's the thing to me that's so different, is that there's not – a guy on this roster right now that I look at, that I know is going to play significant minutes, that I'm like, oh man, I really don't want the ball in that guy's hands. I don't want him taking shots. I, I think most of these guys are smart. Uh, Hubert Davis. Uh, w- w- this was in his, was it in his post game after the exhibition? He said that there were times where they were passing up great shots. For other great shots, when they should just be taking the great shots, mm-hmm. like that, we we haven't heard that in the past. So to me, like I think that's extremely encouraging that this team they're, they're they're looking for that great shot. I don't think there were times last year where the ball simply would not move out of the hands of the primary ball handler. Most of the time, that was Caleb Love, but R.J. Davis had moments like that too. I don't feel like that's going to be that much of an issue this year. It's a team that moves better without the basketball. It's a team that's got a better mindset. And, again, I think it all goes back to trust, and this team has so much in each other. Let's transition
1: now to our keys to the game for Carolina as they get set to take on Radford to open up the 2023-24 season. The first thing I wrote was control the pace of the game because you go back – to, you know, we kind of compare this to being a good test like UNC Wilmington was last year. Carolina had to play the game in the half court because they did not impose their will. And I think that's something you've heard so much messaging coming out of the program this year is we want to make teams play at our pace. We got to quit We gotta quit doing what the opponents want us to do mm-hmm. because that's what allows Carolina to, to, you know, get beat by teams that shouldn't beat them or play closer games than than what they're used to playing. You know, Radford is going to want to take the air out of the ball. They're gonna to want to make you play in the half court, which is why you've got to run it up their backside after makes and after misses. Huh. Um and, and I think I think you're they're, they're more equipped to do it because there's a more there's a more commitment to do it. Because Carolina didn't have to run against St. Augustines to beat them by 55. They could have played in the half court and beat them by fifty-five, but they didn't want to. They wanted to get the ball and they wanted to go. Even more sort of effort from that effort from RJ Davis. You know Elliot Cadeau when he's on the court, he's going to get it and he's going to go. You've got great wings that can push the floor and Ryan and Wojcik and Harrison Ingram. And and so that's the first thing for me is I think if Carolina can come out and set the and 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 and, and set the tone early and say we're going to play this game the way we want to play it, which is free flowing and in the open court, it's going to take it's going to take a lot more from Radford to hang around just because they
0: don't have the athletes to run with Carolina for 40 minutes. It really is amazing, right? If you go back, I mean the last time I really remember Carolina setting the tone in most games and controlling the pace leading to wins, 2019? Yes, that's the that's the last time. I cuz and that's what's unbelievable about their run back in 2122.
1: Yeah, cuz they still played the way the other teams wanted
0: to play. Every time and they've somehow found ways to win games. It's it was stunning. But now they're going to want to push. And I think the, the interesting thing about this team is I think there's enough here where there will be some games where teams that, that can match them going up and down the floor, okay, Carolina, there might be times where Carolina says, okay, we'll take you on. But there'll be other times where they'll say, hey, we can slow it down too because we've got the guys that can make the shots this year. So but in this game, no, you you wanna you wanna come out, you wanna be aggressive. Now you gotta be strategic. You can't literally be running up and down the floor the entire night, especially if you're gonna have Elliot Cadeau in there a lot. Um, because yeah, there could be some times where things get a little out of hand for a freshman. Things might be moving a little fast because it is his first game, so it could lead to turnovers, but um, I, I still think you want to be aggressive if you're Carolina and for the first time in what seems like forever it feels like Carolina will have that ability if they control the pace in this game this game probably shouldn't be that close and I, I feel pretty confident that they can do that the second key is impose
1: your will uh, on the paint and, and on the glass basically use your size to your advantage because you're going to have the size that you're you're going to have the size advantage and you know, like Armando Baycott's the first guy you point to. This is what I really like about Harrison Ingram. He showed in the in the exhibition, he's not afraid to get on the glass and rebound. Oh, he's physical, he's, man. He's not afraid to get inside and, and score, you know, inside the painted area and, and really work his way out to become a three-level scorer that, that he has the potential to be. Um, Carolina's backcourt may be considered small in terms of ACC play, but in this game, they're going to be, you know, there's going to be a size advantage on the perimeter with, with those guys, and so um, there's there's so many ways that Carolina can can impact the game. I, I know we we we're excited to see the shot selection. This offense still runs through the big man uh, in the middle. That's Armando Baycott. So get paint touches, get the ball inside, live in the painted area, and then live on the offensive glass because. Um, that that's that's when Carolina's offense is at its best. It's when it's it's when it's its most efficient. Is when it's running and gunning, and when it's living off of of, of making shots after they grab their offensive rebounds. And so, um, this is this is something that Carolina is well equipped to, even with their bench guys, because you've got you've got such talent, you've got such athleticism. Like if Zayden High is in the game, I want to see does what we saw from the preseason that activity. Does that carry over? If 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 Seth Trimble, Jalen Withers, if they're cleared to play, you know, they have length, they've got versatility to impact the game as well. And so this is something where I look at it when whenever we're recapping this game and I look at the box score, Carolina should outscore them in the paint and they should win the rebounding battle by more than 15, in my opinion. And really it just comes back to effort and want to. And if Carolina applies that effort and they want to impose their will inside the painted area and on the glass, it really tends to it really tips the scale in their favors in terms of winning the game.
0: Yeah, look, last year uh, Radford hundred sixty third in the country in rebounding. Um, they're still a pretty small team. Uh, not not a single guy that's over six ten. So Carolina is going to have the size advantage, I think. Yeah, this is one of those games where you should be able to flex a little bit of muscle. Uh, you mentioned, you know, you've got Harrison Ingram who is very physical will play inside with just about anybody. Pax and Wojcik can rebound the heck out of the basketball as well. I, I, th- to me, I think that this is one of those games that Carolina should be able to do that. And, and I think I think Carolina is going to be a sneaky good rebounding team this year. Like I think this could be one of those teams that could be right near the top of the country again. Even though they don't have the size that they've had in the past, I really do think, you talked about some of the guys off the bench, Zayden High, I mean, it, it, just the the motor off the bench combined with the height and physicality that he plays with. Uh, Jalen Washington's going to be there taking another step this year. He's shown some really good things at times, rebounding the basketball, and then even if they got to go to James Aconquo at times, that's the one thing, that you know, he, he does two things really well right now, still working on his offensive game, but... He rebounds and blocks. That's pretty much what he's there to do. I think Carolina has a chance to probably be about plus 12, plus 15 on the glass, which I think could be enough. They they could actually uh, even surpass that. But I think if you can get to that number, you have a chance to really lay it on this Radford team. I think they'll be able to do that. Uh, in this one, and uh, impose their will, as you said, on the glass and inside.
1: The last thing is what you see and every time you're playing a mid major opponent, you don't wanna get upset. You want to limit turnovers and 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 defend the three point line because those are the two biggest ways that that, that 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 you get beat at home by a team that you shouldn't get beaten by. And you know, Carolina last year had their turnover issues, but the biggest reason why was they didn't have enough ball handlers. You know, and, and they didn't have they didn't have guys that that could handle the ball. Carolina's got four dudes in their starting five that 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 you could legitimately run offense through. You didn't have that a year ago. It's going to make it harder to defend. Um, and and and, and with that, you know, that you should see turnovers go down. And then defending the three point line, there seemed to be a greater sense of urgency in the preseason, talking about the importance of that and closing out on shooters just to try to uh, affect shots. Um, and Radford's not a great three-point shooting team by any means, but they understand you know, that, that that's going to be the formula to give them a chance. If Carolina protects the ball and they don't let you know, uh, Daquan Smith go off from three, it really mm-hmm. makes it hard to envision the Highlanders not only winning the game but really being competitive as we make our way into the second half.
0: Yeah, in terms of the three-point shooting, you're right. I mean, look, they shot 35% from three last year, almost 36%, which was 85th in the country, solid. Um, but the thing is, is that they only return one guy that can really shoot the three, and that's Daquan Smith. They lost their other really good uh, three point shooter who shot forty two percent from deep last year in Brian Anton. So it really is going to be one guy that can shoot it from the outside that you got to be aware of. But if Carolina does, you know, is able to take him away from back there, uh, make him have to drive the paint and and finish uh, in- inside on you. Uh, I, I think that's a good game plan. But the thing that's most important to me, and I meant, I hinted at it a little bit earlier, is you can't turn the ball over. And look, if you're going to take something away from the exhibition and from the scrimmage, especially the scrimmage, you've got to find a way to take care of the basketball. These are aggressive guards that want to get up and down the floor. And here's the thing. At times, when you get that aggressive, turnovers are going to happen. Carolina's got to limit that. Uh, you do not want to let Radford hang around because that that's, that's where it turns into one of those games where it's a nail-biter late. You start making mistakes, especially some of the younger guys on this roster, and that's where you get into that mode of, man, we're in a close game with a team that we should be blowing out. Um, I don't, you know, again, Radford's a good team, but I think this is one that you should be able to control this game most of the way. And if you can hold on to the basketball, I feel like you are going to have a really good chance to do that and pick up a comfortable win.
1: It's time to make our predictions for the season opener
0: for Carolina. I'll let you go first. Who wins and why? I think Carolina wins. I think Carolina probably wins by uh, by, by twenty or more. I, I just think this team is so complete. I've talked about it from you know w- w- after we talked following the scrimmage, after we talked following the exhibition. I think this team has a lot of talent, but the thing that stands out to me the most is the depth. You're going to get to see it in this game because you're playing a mid-major. I think this team has so many different guys that can affect the game. You're going to see it. I think this team has much more confidence than a year ago, which is shocking considering that team was uh, the preseason favorite to win the national title. Um, It just, To me, it feels like a team that is – more in control than they were and I just like the vibe around this team I think you're going to see that in this game I think you'll have you know a big night from RJ Davis I think Armando Baycott will dominate inside uh, and I think you'll see some of the transfers, especially I, I don't know how much he's going to play. I don't think it was a, anything serious that he suffered in the uh, exhibition the other night. If Cormac Ryan plays in this game, I think you're going to see why Cormac Ryan was brought in for the Tar Heels. Same thing with Harrison Ingram, especially with his versatility on the defensive end. I like Carolina to win and win by 20 plus. Yeah,
1: I've, I, I've, I've got Carolina winning rather comfortably as well. Um, you know, you talked about the talent and the depth. For me, it comes down to the competitiveness that I think exists on this roster, that I think is going to permeate onto the basketball court. You've got a group of dudes that are hungry to win and win now, because for a lot of these guys, this is their final, this is their final run at playing college basketball, trying to get to a Final Four, trying to win a national championship. You can't do any of that in this game, but you can take the first step, and that's what Carolina's got to do. You've got to build and build and build. As the season moves along, this is a great mid-major opponent that's going to challenge Carolina in a lot of different ways. I think the heels are up to the task, but at the end of the day, more talent, more depth, more gifted, as Roy Williams would say, and I think that, 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 that allows Carolina to get their first win of the season. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. Before we let you go, we do encourage you guys to visit the website that's HeelToughBlog.com where there will be a game preview up for the Radford game. Of course, I'll have you cover the game recap. You can also go back and read a little bit more about the life and the legacy of Walter Davis. There's also an article up evaluating Hubert Davis, how he compares to a bunch of different Carolina basketball head coaches after two years. All that great basketball coverage on HeelToughBlog.com. Football, we'll have you cover from the Campbell game this week as Carolina looks to snap a 2 game losing streak as for the podcast you know guys you guys know where to find us every major podcasting platform just simply search the four corners podcast and we will pop up We're there we do encourage you guys to rate review and subscribe that way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the basketball season well with that guys this is going to wrap up this edition of the show i want to thank anthony for hosting with me we want to thank you guys for listening and as always go Tar Heels. get any sweeter than that